Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and on this show, I like to sit down with artists to break down everything you don't know and should know about their latest project. On this episode, 070 Fee calls in to talk about his latest project, My Father's Gun, and we talked about everything, every single track, the producers, the features, the album artwork, and just what he was going through from his weight loss to dealing with depression and just overall resilience. So let's get into it. Yo, what's going on? It's 070 Fee. You're now tuned in to Special Delivery. Yes, yes, yes. 070 Fee is here. How you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Just trying to stay out the way. That's all we can do. I want to talk all about My Father's Gun. We got to get started with the title. I remember you tweeted a while back that it's been seven summers since your mom kicked everyone out, and that's where the project came from, and you just kind of understanding why. What is the connotation behind the title My Father's Gun? Well, for me, um, all my life, not all my life, but majority of it, my father wasn't around. And I feel like that kind of gave me explosive thoughts. I didn't realize that until I was on my own. So that's when I got into writing, like basically writing myself out of a hole, you know, not letting that bring me down. Makes sense. And then this album is barely over a year since Outside. What was that year in between these two projects like? It was growth. You know, throughout the whole time, mentally and just, like, spiritually tapping in. You know what I mean? I got in the gym. I went from, like, 280 pounds down to 205. It was just more so me getting in tune with who I was and, like, not allowing things to hold me back and stop me from doing what I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Definitely. And the growth is really felt because you talk about, you know, losing weight, kicking habits, like, really just finding growth and finding different parts of yourself. So I think that that's definitely felt on this project. Yeah, definitely wrote my way out of a lot of things, drug addictions, eating habits, everything, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that society kind of has a way of, like, not forcing you into it, but, like, heavily promoting it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you don't know yourself, you get lost in it easily. And then when it comes to the album artwork, Bright Colored Ski Masks, what was the idea behind the album artwork? All right, so behind that, I feel like in the process of me getting rid of the depression, I guess you would say, from not having a father, you know, I went outside and I got a lot of homies. Like, people grow up on that gang mentality, and a lot of people got it confused that, like, all gangs are negative, like, when people gang up together. But I wanted to make it colorful ski masks because it's like people got color behind them as well. Somebody might look super tough. You might feel like you can't approach them, you know what I mean? But these people got colors to them, too. And if you got to get past the surface, you'll understand that for yourself. I love that. Yeah, no, it it has an inviting element to it. You're like, oh, okay, what are these guys up to? <laughs> yeah, you're not like looking at it like these guys are delinquents, man. Exactly. And then we get into the first track, Ten Toes. Yeah. My nephew was born at the same time a kid was murdered, 11 years old. Life or death, heaven the old Lord. Every night I say press for my road, dogs, because my niggas caught up in this life of distraction and trapping. It never gets so Lord. Every day it get harder to hold on, but we never let go. Because I'm alive, 24 hours and you decide. Lately my thoughts have been suicide. Killing the man that I once was. What good is the dime when you want does? When you want it all, when you want love. Produced by Jay Sebastian, of course, of the 070 crew. My goodness, that track is just so stripped down, so gorgeous. And the first sound we hear, is that your daughter or your nephew? Who's that, the baby crying? That's actually my nephew crying. So um, behind that, my cousin played the guitar strings 
in her living room, and while she was co-recording it, my nephew was in the back crying, and you hear his mother, well, let me see, you know what I mean? And we just caught that, like, live moment, and it was perfect because it was like we was making the intro, and that was just the perfect piece to use. It was something that really hit home. Yes, and then for you to incorporate it into the first line, like, it all just flows so well. How did you know that that was going to be the first song? I actually made that song a little later. I had a couple different intros, but I was still searching for something that felt how that felt, you know? So when my cousin sent that to me, she sent me the guitar loop. I was with Sebastian, and it was like, nah, this is it. This is exactly what I'm looking for, you know what I mean? So when I went into writing it, I went into writing it with writing it as, like, the introduction. So that's why I feel like everything was, like, well said, and it was well put. Like, it's letting you know what's about to be, you know what I mean? Like, what I'm talking about is just breaking it down real quick before we get into it. So it felt very much like the intro. But at the same time, it felt like a standalone song as well. It's another thing that's super inviting. And like you said, preparing us for this album that we're about to get into. So it was, it was a really great introduction. Like, it just really catches your attention because it's so stripped down and so good. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Then we get to track number two, Take the Lead, featuring yeah. Petey and produced by Petey. 26 years now, you got Just down bed on Congress. On Congress Before I met Nas and I locked lock it. I ain't really beat, I'm in my zone. Still at the studio, I treat it like my own. My young nigga only pull his grip out if he got you. If he got you, bitch. I don't fuck with these fake niggas, they imposters. That one's so aspirational, celebratory, and fun. What was it like not only working with PD as a producer, but also as a feature? That's dope. You know, Petey is from around my way, and I always knew him. Like, we did a lot of local shows together, a lot of, like, hole-in-the-wall spots, and I always knew him as a rapper. So that was my first experience with him as a producer. It was dope, man. We got in the studio. We did it. That one, for me, was like, you know, after 10 Toes, that coming on is like, okay, this happened in my life, but I'm not the one with the baby, so I'm going to use that as a lesson, and this is how I'm move. You know what I mean? And that's why it's like, take the lead. It's like, it's on me at this point. You know what I'm saying? No, definitely just taking the reins on it, but also kind of having fun with it. Like, no, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're definitely not going to be down. You know what I mean? That's why 10 Toes ended with, like, I don't hit the brakes, I go hard. It's like, we're not here to be in, like, that at the pressure stage. You know what I mean? It's about getting out of it, not being stuck in it. You know, being aware of it, but getting yourself out of it. Then we get to track number three, The Deep End featuring 070 Shake. I ain't here to get down with you. I ain't here to fuck around with you. G's up, nigga. Hose down. If the bitch can't swim, she gon' drown. Work on yourself before it go down. You ain't know it was the time, the nigga, you know. Now, I don't gotta kick him out. I don't ever let no wretched bitch in my house. I got a bad one and I fucked her on the couch. And she gon' pull up on me with her friends when I'm out off the douce. The video and the song produced by Llama. What was it like working on that one? That one was super dope. It's something that, for me, those lyrics hit home. Anytime I get down to work with Shake, it's pretty dope because she's just incredible to to witness her, the way she works, you know what I mean? So, yeah, that was definitely a dope experience. And Llama, as a producer, that's one of my main guys. He knows the sound that I'm looking for. He knows how I like transitions, you know what I mean? So anytime I get down and I got a vision, I know it's going to come out exactly how I want, and that's one of them that came out. Any song he produced on the project, we got in, and it was like, this is how I want it to be. And we made it like happen 
better than I was thinking, you know what I mean? But exactly how I was thinking, if that makes any sense. No, definitely. And I feel like the main takeaway from that one is self-love ain't selfish. How did you kind of come to that conclusion and why did you want to include it on that song? Well, the thing about the deep end is like, you know, that's kind of diving into somebody else's world. You're in the deep end, you're away from yourself. And it's like you realizing their void and it's kind of um, bringing you to like recognition of yourself. It's like, that's what it's about. At the end of the day, I could give this person as much love as I feel like they need. But at the end of the day, I can't change them. What I could do for myself is do that for myself, though. You know what I mean? And anybody should, everybody should be doing that. If you're not, then you might have somebody lost in the deep end. The whole time you got to go back and get your shit right before you even involve somebody in those waters. It all comes back to loving yourself first and then you can love people. I think people get so caught up in like, oh, no, I got to do everything for everybody else. But it's like, no, you got to start with yourself and it's not selfish. So you did that gorgeously. Yeah, definitely. I feel like when you're honest with yourself, too, it helps you be honest with people. You know, people lie to themselves or a lot of people because they feel like they care about them and they don't want to hurt them. But it's like when you like honest with yourself and you go through that pain yourself, you feel like people should do that. You know, it helps you be honest with people because it's like you really feel like they should love themselves enough to be honest. So I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'm not going like sugarcoat any of it. You know what I mean? You wouldn't even be like that if you wasn't like that with yourself. Exactly. Then we get to track number four, No Manners. Yeah, she called me Poseidon because I'm wavy as fuck. Yeah, never met a challenge that it made me give up. Although it's hard to love somebody, bitch is crazy as fuck. Try to teach a game, and it's like I'm saying too much. But now I'm all at war, all aboard. Bad intentions on the floor. She get freaky for the thrill. Used to walking out the door. I don't trip, I let it go. If it's real, then she'll be back. Try to love somebody produced by llama and king chung i honestly just feel like the song is about having boundaries and it's almost like a hard-working anthem what was it like making that one yeah that one was definitely fun you know anytime it was a transition that session was probably super fun because we went in there and making two songs and made one that one is definitely it's like the groovy song you know what i mean once you realize all these things it's like a way to to maneuver, you know what I mean? And after you get that self-love, that self-awareness, and you that truthful, you know what I mean? It might seem like you got no manners. You feel me? That's what that's about. It's like once you start making those boundaries, it's like, I'm not being rude. I'm just very aware of who I am and what I'm willing to deal with. It's not that I have no manners. It's just that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. 100%. Then we get to Cliff Diving, produced by Jay Don. Sometimes I jump off a cliff, hey, yeah, just to catch myself, feel the rush up. Sometimes I jump off a cliff, hey, yeah, just to catch myself, feel the rush up. Where you head at, baby? What you thinking about? You wasn't thinking about me? Maybe shut your mouth. You make me jump off a cliff, I love the sound of this one. And honestly, your writing almost sounds like a freestyle. What was it like writing to that beat? Honestly, it was like freestyling. That was one of the first times I went into the studio and just went off of like feeling, just pieced it together. I had the melody in my head of like, sometimes I jump off a cliff and that's all I really had. And we went into making the beat. And as we're doing that, I'm kind of just like freestyling different things. By the time we put the beat together, I just like went in and kind of knew what I wanted to say, didn't know where I want to put things, and just went for it throughout like the whole time. You know what I mean? And then we saw where it was, 
and put the vocals in the background, you know what I mean? But in the beginning of it, it was kind of like a freestyle. It feels like it, but it feels so good. It's a good time. An interesting thing I remember you tweeting was about writing to no beat, like writing like a dialogue and a conversation. Were there any tracks on this album where you kind of took that writing style with no beat? On this one, yeah, actually, Great Underbrims, I did that. Is anything else on there that I did that with? Yeah, I actually wrote the first verse to um, No Resources like that. There might be a few pieces that I'm just, like, not remembering, but there's a couple times where I, I just, like, write things down without a beat. I figure out where I'm going to put them later. I just think that's so dope because you talk about, you know, it just coming from yourself, and it's like that's the best exercise to really make sure that it's coming straight from you. It's like it doesn't matter what the beat is. It's literally pouring out of you, so I just think that's super cool. Definitely. You know, writing is very therapeutic. So when you get into those moments of writing, you start realizing, like, how deep you get with, like, yourself for real. Because it's art, you know, and it's an expression. And then on cliff diving, there's a second voice singing. Who is that second voice? Yeah, that's my boy Alexander from Oakland. really wanted him to just groove in the background. No, he definitely tied it all together. It's super dope. Thank you, thank you. No problem. Then we get to No Resources, produced by Llama. Okay, I'm breaking up another zone. You might not understand the shit I'm on. I ain't chasing no high, but I'm facing all mine. Lately, I've been in a different zone. Might not be long before a nigga gone. So I ain't living no lie. I'm just getting all mine. Yeah, yeah. Veggie and Panada's trying to die healthy. Put in work to make sure my kids die wealthy. Mentally and spiritually, cause niggas mind melting. Another just hardworking anthem, but also just talking about the importance of good business. And you talked about how part of that you wrote with no beat. How did that song come to be? When I, I made it, it was like um, a moment where I started realizing like the resources that I did have in life. It's like beyond business. It was more so like just living and like doing things that I wanted to do and like ways that I could do them rather than like sitting around and waiting. That's how I was feeling when I wrote it, you know. But it was definitely about just like realizing what you can do and not like sitting around and dwelling on things like, you know, for me, not having a dad was always an excuse. Like I needed somebody to like do things for me, you know what I mean? And that like prolonged too long. And when I started realizing it, that kind of like fueled my, my drive and made me want to do things like all the time. Like every time I thought like I couldn't do something, now I want to do it, you know what I mean? And that's what No Resources is basically about. It's like a self-healing song at the same time. Yeah, it's definitely so much resilience in that. Like, nah, no resources, nothing. Like, we're going to do it no matter what. And then that one has a quote at the end. Who is that quote from? And did you pick it or did Llama pick it? How did the quote come to be? That actually happened because we was recording a song that wasn't on the project. We kind of just brought the mic out into the middle of the studio room. And we was all kind of doing like a choir type thing. And the mic was just on the whole time. But one of my older guys was just talking about what was going on in the city and that, like, just happened, you know? So when it happened, I was like, oh, nah. Was, like, he didn't even realize we were recording. Like, we was in there drinking. It was kind of like just a vibe. And when I heard that, it was like, oh, nah, I'm definitely using that, you know? And it was in the perfect time while we in there working on the project. It was just something I needed. A lot of skits and things that I put on there or any music is just, like, things that happened around me, you know? I love that because that's a dope way to get it because we hear so many people who like dig for clips or stage them and like get people in so you're like okay say this so to have it be super just a part of the process and they didn't even know you were recording like that's super cool yeah I got this thing I always tell people after I do it 
But, like, if I'm in a conversation with somebody, it could be the deepest conversation, you know, just to, like, not, like, miss out on the moment. I might, like, have my phone in my hand and start recording. And then, like, after the conversation, I'll just let them know, like, yo, I recorded this. I don't know how you feel about me using it, but I just wanted to let you know. And then if they're not cool with it, which I never had nobody that wasn't cool with it, but if they're not cool with it, I won't use it. But I'll catch a gem off a pure moment that way. You know what I mean? That's really where inspiration comes from. And sometimes, like, I'll do it because I find myself so engulfed in the conversation that it's like, I'm not going to remember all of this later. Like, I want to be able to really, like, hold on to this moment. You really need the pure moment. And then me as a person, I got to kind of, like, allow myself to not even have a filter while I'm talking to them because I'm recording it. I got to, like, just get back in that moment so that it can all be as 100% pure as possible, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Then we get to track number seven, 100 Bands featuring Ari Child. Young nigga, your life on the line. Got your life on the line, you should get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Young nigga. Young nigga. Look. Young nigga trying to see a hundred bands before he die. Before he run into a bullet, he knows somebody hating and wicked enough to pull it. Fair guard in his hand, shaky gun in his grip, nothing to lose, and he feel like he got nothing to give below the radar. The video and again the song produced by Llama. I just think that this song is such an incredible just show of your storytelling. How was it writing that one because it was so personal and so much of a story that you're telling? That one was definitely a piece of work. We went back to it a couple of times. Every time I wrote a verse, though, I can't even tell you about like the process because it was kind of like I just sometimes I write something and I like won't even realize what I'm writing until I read it. And I feel like every verse kind of happened that way with that song. I actually met Iris out while I was working on the song, though. I was working on the chorus and the second verse. I was in the studio with Jungle, Nas's brother, and he had him in there working on the record. And I just tapped in with him. After the stair session was over, I started to record, and we kind of just locked in again right after that. That's a dope artist, you know what I mean? That's a dope guy. We had some conversations in that session that made me make the project, you know what I mean? Like, 100 Bands was one of the songs that stirred up what was going on, you know what I mean? And what made me make that My Father's Gun. It was 100 Bands, I Bought a uh, Badu Vinyl, and no resources. Those are those like the three songs where it's like I knew where I was at and where I wanted to go with the project. No, that makes perfect sense because those are so personal and they do really tie in the album. And that leads us to I Bought a Badu Vinyl. I feel like that one is such a good full circle moment for you because you have Tree Safari on there from 070 and then you have Enzo. I never cried when my daddy died. I mean, I did a shot, but I just let it slide. Abusive father left an artist seeking for a home And a house full of women that depend on their own I seen the beauty of life, but then they recognized it stepped aside But still it came around, and that was set the vibe And I could see, that relief Yeah, 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 yeah Times are wasted What was it like bringing those worlds together? That was super dope, you know. Enzo's, uh, he's from my neighborhood, so having him in session was pretty cool. Just that whole song, you know, in a whole, it was a moment, really, because I like having some songs where I could really write and, like, tap into myself, and I feel like that was a moment where I learned a lot about just how I think and what's going on, and I feel like it happened, really, because I bought that Badu vinyl and I listened to it, and that's where I was at. 
And that's one of the songs I actually wrote a couple things to it without a beat. It was just I was on the road and I bought an Erica Badu vinyl because we were stopping at a lot of um, record shops everywhere we went. And then when I listened to that one, it was Mama's Gun. That's why the project is My Father's Gun. Throughout time, I started realizing a bunch of shit and it was all backtracking to that for me. And the title just, it all like glued together. It made sense. That really sparked a moment for me mentally. And it, it's, I don't know, that session is a lot of the reason why I like discipline myself and, and like work the way I do. But I realized a lot about myself when I wrote. And that's why it's like an honest moment. It's not really any bars in there. There's a couple bars, don't get me wrong. But it's really just like an honest moment, you know what I mean? And me like realizing and moving forward. That one really sticks out as one of the more personal ones. I know that that's therapeutic. Do you feel like it was easier or more difficult to write super personal like that? I'd say it was all like the same. It kind of just came out. A lot of times when I write, it happened fast for me. Like I was just like feeling how I'm feeling and just going with whatever is going on. And it just happened in a couple minutes and I'll be like double back and like looking at it. That's dope though. Like that's how it should flow out of you. And then that one has a quote at the end. Was that the same process for getting that quote? Nah, that's actually from the movie Life with Eddie Murphy. What was it about that quote? So for that one, I had just got like started getting into the, the boxing gym with my boy Ralphie River. He just kept on singing like the upper room. And I was like, yo, where's that from? And then like double back. So it was from and it was that moment that they had. He was singing that because we was kind of having a, that same conversation. Just the moment that they had, it was like a moment for me that I feel like I never really got to have with my pops. Like we never talked about being a man or like um, dying in the world, like things that could lead you to death, how you should move, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's what they was having. And they was like, yo, we next. They was really in a situation where like they might have been next to die. But I feel like putting it where it was at in the project, it was like we the people that are like, if it is like a pandemic going on or some kind of propaganda, we the ones that's next to go against it. And it's like, we either going to be head first, you know what I mean? Or never know what can happen. And that was just where I wanted to put it because that's how I made it feel, you know? There's so much power. Then we get to track number nine, Great Under Brims. Oh, yeah, yeah. You said you don't need nobody but you. Said everybody can get it, everybody but you. You know you don't hurt nobody but you. You move on, Rocky. Oh, yeah. If it's one life, yeah. If it's one life, yeah. If it's one life, and I probably sound an eyes, cause all I ever needed was just one mic. All I needed was just one mic. All I needed was just one mic. We ain't have it, but we wasn't having so yeah. Produced by Jay Don, you talked about how a lot of that one was you writing to no beat. And we talked earlier about how this album is really you, you know, losing weight, kicking drugs and different eating habits and all that stuff. And this song really feels like you coming to terms with being proud of yourself. What did it look like making that one? It was fun. I made that one after Cliff Diving. It was like we was in a, a certain groove. And I realized what I could do with my voice and like recording that way, kind of like freely, you know what I mean? Not really having anything planned. I did grab things that I, I wrote without any beat, but like a lot of that came just not having anything planned really and just going with like a feeling. And that's just how it, like we listened to the project and then we made that song and it was like we made it for that placement, you know what I mean? 
it just felt very much like needed energy at that point in the project. I definitely needed to write it just to, you know, because when I'm saying, like, you say you don't need nobody but you, I'm talking about myself, really, in the earlier mindset in the project. Because as the project goes, it's kind of like me sharpening my sword and, like, learning. And that's when it gets to love is love. It's like a final realization. It was like that for me, writing it. A lot of people don't talk about listening to the album being like, okay, something's missing, and then being able to put a track on there like that. So I think that that was a really cool way to approach it, and it definitely fit. Yeah, definitely. It happened naturally because, like, you listen to it. Me, I, I like listening to my music, so it's, like, it's an enjoyable process. So when we get to, like, what's needed next, it puts us in a groove. You know, it's like taking a pre-workout or something. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite part of that one is how you incorporated one mic. Was that something that just kind of happened or something that you were trying to do that kind of just happened while i was writing it just felt like it, it should be there you know what i mean throughout the project you know you get to like no resources you get to the points of being down those bars that he had you know all i need is one mic is like the realest bars for the artist and that's just how i felt for myself and it was like damn i am signed to the man who said that himself so that bar just felt like it just needed to be said i felt like the perfect way to incorporate him and incorporate where you're at with him but also just make it kind of full circle in a way that wasn't like hey i'm signed to Nas." it's like no like this is me paying homage this is something that's true to me and you already know you know what i mean behind it so it worked out yeah 100 percent. then we get to the last track love is love part two every year new problem stories never ended most of my game come from pain long as I can remember Just keep this shit in motion and don't let nothing offend you And we'll be touching new heights when we step in December Blessings, I'm in love with the progression Put myself first and there ain't no second guessing my Time been now, bitch, I'm a quarter pass ready Take a penny for your thoughts, bring a quarterback ready, nigga This is Big Coach, and I'm in my bag too And if that's overhead, you probably failed in classrooms But we learned the principles Produced again by 1995 why a part two? Because love is love is just like a mindset for me. And there's always going to be, I feel like I don't know how long I'm going to go with it, but I'm definitely going to have a part three. Every time I write a project, it's kind of, it's personal. You know, when I wrote outside, that's how I was living. I was outside. So when that love is love came out, that was just the mindset that I was in then. When I wrote my father's gun, it was like, that was the mindset that I left off with that emotion. I feel like every kind of like thought for me would be ending off with that. You know, it's like whatever, love is love. I'm like stressing something, trying to figure something out, dealing with feelings and shit. The end of it is always like love is love. So I'm always end up coming with a love is love. You know what I mean? Now, it's definitely that something you always know is true, something you can always fall back on. Like love is love no matter what. Another quick thing that I wanted to ask. I remember reading a while ago about how you were going to release an album under your government name. And I'm always super interested in the stories behind names and people choosing to use the names that they do. What was the decision behind wanting to do that, but then not actually doing it? Yeah, I'm definitely still going to do it. For me, I just want that project to be like, I feel like I still haven't wrote my best song. When I feel like I'm in that groove of like where I, like, I want to be musically, because I'm kind of like still learning different things and like trying different things, then that project could definitely come out. But for me, my name is 070 Fierce. I got the name basically from my last name. It's Jean-Philippe, when people couldn't pronounce it. Just started calling me Fee. And then 070 obviously comes from the collective, but a lot of people are confused if I'm like Dominican. Some people don't know that I'm Haitian. And some people don't even consider me Haitian because, like, my grandfather didn't teach that language to us. 
So because I don't speak it, they don't really consider it to me until I tell them my last name. You know what I mean? And then it's like when you see my last name, it's like, okay. Also, I moved around a whole lot in my life from, like, New York. I was born in Queens. I moved down to Maryland. I moved back to upstate New York, North Carolina. Then I moved to Jersey as, like, an early team. But a lot of people I went to school with, my last name was always, like, a thing. So it was like I just kind of wanted to put out a project under that. People could just know who this is. You know what I mean? That's, like, pure me. That's 100% me, no other influences, you know what I mean? There's ownership in that, and there's authenticity in that. Of course, My Father's Gun out right now. People can go stream it wherever you buy music, wherever you stream music. Anything else you want to tell the people about My Father's Gun? Go stream it everywhere. Whenever you're feeling like you need to tap in, however you're feeling. If you're feeling like you got to go outside and get it, if you're feeling like you're trying to start a business, you know what I mean, whatever you're trying to do. Whenever you're feeling like you're trying to do it, just put that on, man. And I hope it make you do it even more. You know what I'm saying? Tap in and don't tap out. And that's it. Yay. Thank you so, so much. Seriously, all the stories were so incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Nah, thank you. That was a, it was a good interview. It went well. Like, it felt smooth. Thank you. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. And then reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. As always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.